All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 35 of the Unweaving Chronic Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Moore, and today we have a very special guest that I'm so excited about. And as always, I always have to put this disclaimer, this episode is not intended to be a substitute for individualized advice or medical advice. But today, I am so excited to announce that we have a grief coach. Amar Atma Singh is going to be joining us. And I I have to say from a personal level, I met him in another group we're in, and I just got to witness him being coached, actually. And what he was talking about, I was like, oh, you're my spirit animal. I need to connect, connect and talk to you. He was all about all things dark and painful and moving towards it. And I was like, yes we'd be a blast at a party together. Okay. But really, and then he's like all about rollerblading and having fun. Like it's, we can have fun with this stuff. So oh. Amar Atma Singh is a grief coach with an advanced certification as a grief recovery specialist. He has spent the better part of the last decade helping hundreds and thousands of grievers work in a trauma one university hospital as a board certified chaplain. He has a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine and uses a mindfulness and mind body spirit approach to teaching and helping grievers from the many losses that occur through life. Wow, what powerful, powerful, like just medicine you bring. So welcome. Thank you. So grateful to be here. Thank you so much. (laughs) Absolutely. Why don't you start a little bit about telling people what got you on this journey in the first place, if you don't mind? I don't actually. You know, I I tell people that grief found me. I wasn't looking for it personally myself. It, It took me a long time to understand that the pain that I was experiencing a lot through my childhood and adolescence that was played with a lot of physical and digestive distress, um, as well as like joint pain and inflexibility, along with all the emotional, spiritual, cognitive kind of pieces was really rooted in unresolved grief. And it took me a long time to really understand that it was grief that I was feeling. And then took me another 10 years to figure out what to do with it in a way that helped me kind of recalibrate my life towards optimal and vital health. And then it took me just another six, seven, eight years of working in really intensive grief-oriented experiences to really put a lot of what I had been trained and learned with into practice to really making a difference for other people's lives. So kind of a wounded healer's journey and something that I was like, not like grief, like you're cool and all, but I don't know if I can create a whole, my whole life around you. And grief is like, but people need to know people need to know, people need to know that a lot of their pain, a lot of the suffering that they're going through is misidentified. And we need to name some of it as some of the root cause as maybe some unresolved emotional pain connected to grief and loss. And that'll help open the door, unlock the key to wisdom of the body, healing, release, relief, and so forth. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And so this is the vibe. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is you just said so many powerful things in there and what an amazing journey. And I want to touch on a few things of one, just noting how for you, it did show up as physical pain along with other types of pain. And that is part of why I wanted to have you on here because I see this really commonly that this, 
these trapped emotions or unprocessed emotions show up as physical pain. And then I want to touch on something else that you said is that just identifying it and understanding it was grief clearly wasn't enough. It's not like, oh, it's grief. All right. It goes away. And I think this happens a lot, especially with like Instagram therapy, um, which I'm all about like having this, you know, access to information. But I think what, what I see people come in to me a lot is like on consult calls is like, well, I know it's my anger or I know it's my grief that's causing pain or I know it's my stress, but it still isn't gone. That's and right. it's like, yeah, because knowing is, um, is different. It's a first step, Yeah, but it's a process. Can you speak a little bit more to just that, that process? And if you see the same thing in your work? Absolutely. I think the, the question that people often ask when they're feeling so much distress, so much pain, and difficulty in their life, they want to ask the question, why? Why is it that I'm feeling that? And I love the question, but we have to recognize that the question only takes us so far. And by knowing and naming what it is, awesome. Okay, it's grief. That's what I'm feeling. But grief is one of those things that is an absolute life skill that we've never been taught. (laughs) Mm, Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. It's a skill. This is something that is not that we we will all face by ourselves alone this is something that we all universally experience it's a guarantee of our life that if we are going to live a human existence loss is going to be part of it but when we're children five six years old we've never really been taught about emotional resiliency emotional intelligence nor how to really cope with pain of loss and so the suppressed, repressed emotions, which is what we normally do, become something that like eats at our body and in the inter- lives in our tissues and our cells, mm-hmm. our muscles, our bones, our tendons, our joints, in our immune system. And there is a way to help us grieve effectively. And I've learned that. I've, I've, I've like delved deep into understanding that there is a teachable way to learn grief as a life skill, which is why I call it grief coaching as opposed to grief counseling, mm-hmm. is that it's a way in which we traverse down the healing path of grief and loss at the same time, learn new skills that you'll be able to apply for your whole life. And that's, oh. the thing. that's what we want to do. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's beautiful. And I think it so mirrors the work that I often do with chronic pain or really any work that's about deepening into the body, which is so different than most of our learning processes is that like, we're often learning new skills, like in the thick of things. Yeah. (laughs) And whereas like we're used to right in school or anything we're doing, it's like, you get to learn and have all this like exploration time and have all this kind of freedom to practice and explore. And then you're thrown into things, but it's like, oh no, you're already thrown into things and you're having to learn new skills. So it's challenging. A lot of live fire, trial by fire. And I experienced that a lot when working in the acute care setting, when I sit and hold the mom and be present with her when her son was dying, when I'd sit with the spouse and their partner was actively dying from something as painful as pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. And just seeing the kind of depth of despair that they're feeling, the loss and the tidal wave of emotions that's coming in. And we haven't been 
really resilient. We hadn't known how to do any of this. And so it's like in the real moments of the tragedy and the pain, the chronic components of it is when we're having to figure it out. And that's where we're at, I feel like, a lot in our culture and our society when it comes to wellness, mind, body, spirit techniques, including and integrating a lot of different philosophical perspectives from trauma-informed, neurobiological, Mm -hmm. gut-brain access. Like there's so many pieces that we're all trying to figure it out as we go. And I felt like, okay, let's throw grief in the mix here because this is the one that I feel like is the missing link to this holistic perspective of what we need to figure out. Yes, absolutely. And obviously you just covered some really huge griefs that can happen in somebody's life. Like the ultimate is just losing someone we love. Yes. And I think that's one that we all recognize. And, but I also want to include it for anybody listening that griefs can happen. And I I just remember you posting about this so well, that griefs can happen from other things as well. And I think sometimes it's those things that we don't see as grief that can almost become harder to name as grief because it's obvious when you're in pain from the loss of a loved one. But what are some other things that you see people grieving that they might not see as grief in the first place? Yeah, that's right. It's often very misidentified as some stress or things that are happening. So let's start with some basic definitions. Grief is the conflicting feelings that come with a change or end of a familiar behavior or pattern of life. There's a lot to unpack there because what we're saying is that transitions in life are actually connecting to loss. So we name in our grief work 40 different types of loss. Mm -hmm. So we know that death is a major loss. Divorce, separation, breakups, rejections, also a whole nother component of loss. Health-related, chronic pain, loss of vitality, aging, puberty to menopause, all associated with grief. Fertility journeys, as we were speaking about before Mm -hmm. connecting in here, having to go through the fertility process and knowing well what's happening in our world these days, there's a lot of loss. Then we have other components around career, second career, third career, shifting jobs, being fired, being laid off. These are huge components, a change of a boss, or management not getting a position, a culture change by losing Mm -hmm. friends that are part of it, having a new headquarters being moved, going to remote work, forms of loss, education, financial, moving when you're a child, spiritual communities, religious communities, changing of a pastor. These are all now the huge gamut of losses that are existing there. And the way that we often talk about it is like primary loss, secondary loss, minor loss, and micro loss, boulders, rocks, pebbles, and sand. Mm. Some of our losses are a little bit on the minor micro side, but they build up and we all carry this invisible emotional backpack. And when we haven't identified that these transitions or these losses that have occurred in our life, they build up. So when you have another major loss, like a death of somebody or something major like retirement or something major associated with like a health or vitality shift, it doesn't just come with just that loss only. It comes with this wave of all the other ones Mm. that make it already so unbearable because we haven't identified the losses that we've had in our life based on these other major life transitions. Oh, yes. And I think you just, oh, well, you touched on so many things right there. But yes, thank you for like naming all of those things that can bring up grief. But it's like what I'm hearing you say is just 
even a minor loss can trigger deep grief that is stored and was never able to be expressed. That's right. That, I have yeah. several clients that are, they come to me and they said, I don't even understand. It doesn't seem like that major of a loss, but I am feeling so overwhelmed. My light is getting dim from this. Mm. I'm exhausted. I can't drink enough coffee to get through my day functionally. And we spend some time. And one of the techniques we utilize is called a loss history graph where we unzip that emotional energy backpack and visible backpack and say, hey, let's name the losses that have existed in life and let it be one, a release technique to name what's happening and what has been in your life. But secondly, a technique that gives us a roadmap to saying, hey, what are those big boulders? What are those things that have happened in your life that have been really intense? And let's learn to do some work around that. And that's a big, big component there. Sometimes the smallest stuff can set it off because we got so much behind the scenes that are just taking us up. And as you know, that has repercussion to the body that has impact to our physicality, to our vitality, to all those pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say to somebody? I'm curious, it, like I feel like I can, I work with so many high achieving kind of perfectionist women who have just kind of plowed through a lot of things in life. Sure. where there's things that as we're looking back, they're like, yeah, but that wasn't a big deal. I wasn't that upset about it. Yeah. Do you find that it like almost doesn't matter what their emotions were at the time? It's like a loss is a loss. Or do you find that people do really handle things in very different ways, depending on like their relationship with someone or yeah. We have a lot of people who kind of exist in what we refer to as a feeling averse people. Um, people who are high achievers, really busy, really achievement oriented, perfectionist type A, control oriented. I work with several clients that way. And unfortunately, they come to see me when things are really, really difficult, really bad, because it's like the way that I've been doing things are not working. And now it's, it's here. It's like overwhelming. It's right up to the top. And so, um, and so for that, I would say when we invalidate, minimize, compartmentalize, tuck under the rug, out of sight, out of mind, all of that, that gets stored somewhere. And that sits deep within the body. And we know that emotions express through the body. It's not just a solely a mental, physical, or physiological, sorry, mental or psychological component. It's expression through the body. And so when I work with people who are in that kind of vibe, it's, it's having to reclaim feelings that we've disconnected from. We haven't learned feelings. We haven't learned the basics of how to feel, how to connect to feelings. And this is really important because some of the high achieving people, they tend to become burnt out because they're asked to exist robotically. They're to repress basic urges of life, needing to eat, needing to pee. I work with a lot of doctors, a lot of nurses, my background's in healthcare. So I have a lot of folks reaching out and that's a similar kind of connection there. They have irregular sleeping patterns, irregular eating habits, they're traveling a lot. And in that way, we've sort of allowed busyness to being one of what we refer to as STURBs, short-term energy relieving behaviors, mm -hmm. or a way to buffer what's actually happening inside. So interestingly, when I get a chance to work with them and I create space to allow mm -hmm. and to name, there's a ton of feelings behind there. Yeah. It's not that there are no feelings, there are a ton. And when they start to identify in them, they can connect to the feelings that they had from the loss from back in the day and actually how it exists for them presently. We have to appreciate that the heart is kind of quantum. It's kind of a time machine. 
we can be in the past, the present, and the future all at the exact same time by sitting right here. And that grief and loss and pain of the emotions don't know the bearings of time like we think. Yes. It's there. It's right there. And it becomes so quick where they can access that feeling once given the space. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And yes, I find really just like, yeah, really similar patterns. Um, and probably lots of people on this podcast follow that personality type. So we're hey, here for you. I, that yeah, was me, me too. for so long. Like, it's not like, <laughs> Hey, no, I don't know anything about that. That was me for so long. I burned out so many times. I've been the guy that was like, Oh yeah. Like I'm going to do every project. You know, I'm, you know, I've worked mm-hmm. as a chaplain. So my background's in ministry. So I was like, oh yeah, every service project, everything. I'm going to do the good for humanity. I'm going to make a big difference. And all the while, like I can barely rest because I have insomnia or when I need to like stay awake, I'm falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I fully exhausted and mind over matter, everything in my life. So yes. been there, learn, <laughs> relearn, trying to recalibrate, bringing back optimal health, you know, like the whole thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what you said about just giving them this space and also starting to build up the skill of being with emotion. I think when we, uh, before we started recording, I was saying, I kind of really dance around grief a lot with my clients, because what I find is I think people, especially if they have identified or they're pretty sure, like maybe they read something on Instagram or a book and they're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's grief or maybe another built up emotion. They kind of want to like go ahead, especially the high achievers, perfectionists, they want to go right into it mm-hmm. when they haven't built up the emotional capacity, the oh. nervous system safety to be with it. Oh. So I, a lot of times in like really working with like, how are we even feeling towards grief? being the thing that might be where we're going to go. And like, how are you feeling about any feelings of grief in your body? And just like really working on the layers because I'm curious, I'm so curious what your take is because I am not specially trained in grief, but what I have found is I I really treat grief very differently than other emotions because I find grief to be like the purest, rawest emotion. And for other emotions and feelings, and this is a little bit of a blanket statement, my, especially when there's like emotional pain or physical pain associated, I'm always like one of my main messages is that your pain is here to send you a message. But with grief, I find, I don't like to start like being like, what's the grief here for? It's like, it's just as here to be felt. Like it's just Mm -hmm. as pure and raw and simple as that. Like, that's the one thing where we don't like ask all these questions too. We just want to let it out. And it's like purest, rawest form, but it takes a lot of capacity building, space building Mm -hmm. and titration to, to get there because just going all out into it, when you're feeling overwhelmed or you're not feeling safe is I'm sure you could speak to this is not helpful, right? (laughs) It's not actually, no, it's a, it's a pacing element, which you're talking about here, you know? And so we gotta, we gotta pace with it. Um, so I call it grief work, emotional scuba diving work. It's, it's deep, but for every client that I work with, every single one of them is so scared to jump into that. They're nervous. They don't know what it means. It is raw and grief is less of an emotion and more of a process or a response, Mm. which means that it actually comes with a whole bevy of emotions. It's rarely one at a time. And because we're not that emotionally resilient as a culture, we have really difficult time, one, naming emotions, second, feeling them, and then third, having a vernacular to really 
kind of specifically connect to what it is that we're feeling there? Is it annoyance or disgust or ridiculed? Those are really different words than just saying sad or angry. Yes. And kind of developing the vernacular around emotions is a big part. So for my all my clients, when they're wanting to connect and they're wanting to vibe with me in this work, the the this the space that I try to create for them that says we have a phase one and a phase two process. Mm-hmm. And phase one is really on the basics of emotions. It's just how to feel and how to feel better. And we do like emotional resiliency one-on-one training. And it depends mm-hmm. based on where people are at in their education. Is that like an eight-week thing? Is that like a four-week thing? We kind of like assess and we go along with that process. So then it's like, oh, we're not emotionally scuba diving right away. We're kind of on the beach and we kind of dip our toe in the water. We snorkel a little bit. We do some surfing, do some body, you know, bodyboarding, kind of just get comfortable with the ocean itself. And then when there's that comfortability, we start to go a little bit of deep and we take it layer by layer. We don't go 50 meters down. We go five, 10, come back up. Because the idea is we want to really protect the nervous system and create space as emotional fitness. We want to condition muscles that we haven't conditioned before. And we do high rep, low volume, low weight. Mm. That's what we really want to do. It's just build the conditioning slowly, slowly. And I got some folks that are high achievers. like, okay, I'm ready to go there. <laughs> yes. And it's like, as soon as they go there, they experience the emotional hangover. They're like, oh, it's too yeah. much. I'm like, let's circle back a little bit. We're good. We're going to get mm-hmm. there. And when we apply the pacing process to it, which is what I feel is part of, I mean, this might be arrogant to say, but a part of a genius that I bring into the conversation is where is that pacing? How is it that we kind of arrived at that space? So we get there, get the relief, get the release, get the peace, but in a trajectory of time. And all while I say this, like 12 weeks, it's not like three years. It's not like two years. It's not this indefinite amount of time. It's actually pretty fast, but it can be because once you have a trajectory about where it is that you want to go. So I could speak to this endlessly around grief being pooling of emotions. We got to create movement, which means we want to get a banks to a river and let it flow. We want to have trajectory towards it. It has to have an arc of an expression. And so thus we have a journey of where we're at, where we want to get to. And there's steps along the way to help us with that. And people don't talk about grief like this. We don't talk about mm-hmm. steps. We talk about sitting in it and feeling overwhelmed and drowning in it. And that's not at all what we want to do. We want to resource and equip ourselves which then becomes a life skill that can apply to other aspects of life, which is exactly what we want. We want to create world peace through inner peace. And that's mm. the one. We want to create this experience where we truly have a sense of, yeah, no matter what I go through, I'm going to be all right. I got this. I got this. It's hard. It's, sometimes it's heavy. There's sadness. There's these deep emotions. But I've learned to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I got this. Oh, so, so beautifully said. I love just the world peace through inner peace. Like, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. And that and that inner peace does not mean that things are not heavy and hard and that you might need help along the way, or you might need a lot of help along the way and guidance and support. Like, yeah. oh, yes. And I also love, uh, yes to your genius about the pacing. I feel like I approach pain in such a similar way okay. in that it's like, so I'm totally going to support your genius here. Cause I'm like, oh, I guess that's my genius too. <laughs> um, oh. uh, around pain is not, it's, it's really just building. It's like, yeah, like it's almost building like a life raft around it. So you have so mm-hmm. much support and structure and safety before mm-hmm. we're just diving into it. Yeah. 
And I also love what you said about like, it's a process, but like, you're like, it's 12 weeks. Like it's not, it can like 12 weeks, I think sometimes can feel long, but in the scheme of things, I think you hear the phrase, right? Time heals all pain. And it's like, sorry, that's not true. <laughs> like it is, it is so not true. And in terms of chronic pain, like it actually just makes it worse. And I can see your face being like, it probably makes grief way worse, just buries it deeper and more and more layers you have to go through. So like, I, I hear people be like, well, I'm just going to wait it out a little bit more. I'm just going to see if I can get through it. And it's like, only just amplifies it. Can you speak to that piece a little bit more just to hopefully encourage people like, yeah, 12 weeks or like my starting package is like about six months with people. Like it's nothing in the scheme of things. If you just keep waiting, it doesn't go away. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, so when we say time heals all wounds, what we've decided to say there is that we're going to be passive to our pain. And when we're passive to our pain, it actually builds up even more so. So the thing about grief is that it's actually cumulative. So it builds upon each other. It builds like a wave slowly developing over time. And as that new loss comes into life, that crash, the break of that wave, it's, we feel very overwhelmed. It's like a massive clap in our life and it shocks us, but that's been built for a long time there. So grief is cumulative. And the, the scenario there is that we want to be active within our relationship to pain. We want to be active in what we want to do with it. And that's the strategic process in it. We feel that time heals all wounds is one of the major myths and misconceptions of grief. It does not. It does not. It does not. Actionable steps is what helps heal that wound. And that's the reasonable, well, then, okay, if there's actionable steps to it, then what are they? And that's the coaching work. That is the process. What time does offer us, though, just to speak to this, because I imagine that you have listeners who are like, okay, so, all right, time does offer us one thing. Time offers us a readiness, mm-hmm. our nervous system to be ready to do that work, a readiness to arrive to that space there. It's getting our mind around and saying, okay, like I've suffered enough. I've chosen suffering enough. I've chosen to be in this plane, to have a relationship to this plane long enough that it's time now that I don't want this to be my relationship anymore. It's impacted my family. It's impacted my relationships. It's impacted my work. It's impacted my body. It's impacted my way of life, my way of thinking. I am choosing not now to do that. And time provides that readiness for us. And that is something that I really speak to because it's a compassionate, safe response. So time doesn't heal. It's time offers us something, but when we get there, then let's do it. Let's, there's some, there's some, oh, it's good. It's exercising, it's work. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's joyous because it's not really about grief then anymore. It's actually about peace and love and rejoicing and owning life. And it's like what Brene Brown says. She's like, I was all about creativity and connectivity and vulnerability. I wanted to understand about intimate relationships. And then I became a shame researcher because I saw all the things that are preventing us from that. If peace and rejoicing and owning life is our goal, then I become somebody who's working in grief because grief is the barrier and the prevention to feeling those things. Oh my God. I mean, it's the end, you know? Yes. Oh my God. It's so, that's so good. I can't, I'm going to like go back and listen to exactly what you just said because that was just so much gold. That's exactly why I work with chronic pain, not because it's like, 
I'm Willis. I like pain, but I like, but, but I like pain because it opens up yeah. life. And yeah, I find like emotions. It's like this emotional range of motion. Like when we open things up on one side, it opens it up on the other side. Like yes. we, we open up room for pain. It opens up more room for joy and love and peace. Yes. Exactly. As you said. Yes. Yeah, oh. I thought we're not masochistic, you know, and I'm like, yeah. oh, pain, I love pain. Exactly. You know, it's like, no, it's like, it's like, there's the light through the darkness. Yes. that's exquisite and brilliant and if we can allow yeah. ourselves courageously to arrive at that space yeah. and say hey i'm gonna face embrace and release and vibe into this yes we're making yes. a decision day one right there life's gonna be different mm -hmm. it's so good and i think we can both speak to that because we both sat on the other side trying to uh, i don't know about you but i personally was trying to push away my pain and avoid it and get rid of it and not feel into it for years and years and years that oh, yeah. it's like once you realize that like oh wait a minute life can feel so much better when i dive into the pain and then get to come out the other side you're like give me more <laughs> let's explore more well you get it you get it because yeah. you know what the portal of pain offers us it offers yes. us to the other side of it and so then when you've done it enough, you're like, oh, I want more of this. Okay, now my beacon is set up to look for where areas of barriers are. It's like, okay, that's mm -hmm. going to be the transformative energy. I was that dude for sure. <laughs> I was the one that one avoided the pain and indulged it at the same time. I was both, yes. right? Like I perseverated, I worried. That was all my digestive pain, all the sharpening that I had after eating. All I couldn't even wear belts because it was like, oh, I just couldn't have anything like around my belly. Like mm -hmm. there was so many things like that. And I was just like, oh, I'm just so grateful that that just doesn't exist anymore. Like it's so much better. Yes. Yes. And it's, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. You speak to the digestive aspect too, because one of the biggest things that actually got me more into the trauma side was I was working with chronic pain, but then I also became a nutritional therapist. And I just yeah. started working with all these women who were handing me the most beautiful, like quote unquote, perfect food diaries. And I remember getting them being like, what am I supposed to help you with? Like you literally eat perfectly. Like yes. not, not that we we're aiming for per perfection here, but it's like, they were still having all these digestive pains and all these oh, issues. Wow. And I was like, there's just got like, and so I was like seeing that seeing that happening in the physical therapy world where people were doing everything right. I'm like, this just, there just is more. And I just was so like eager to learn, like, what is the next thing? What is the next thing? Because, and then finally we got into trauma, got into trauma work and I was like, oh, here it is. Okay. <laughs> Feeling yeah. emotions. Oh, dang it. I have to do that. Cause I have not been doing that. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and I want to go back to what you're saying about like the, the time heal time heals all wounds and just that time offers, I forgot how beautiful you said it now, but time offers that readiness. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, so to anyone listening who maybe finds themselves avoiding or being in that, it's not making yourself wrong for that because you haven't oh. been taught any other way. Both me and Amar Atma have been that, right? Like that's why we're in this work. Like it's not wrong if you've been there. It's just when you're feeling ready it's always, you can always dive in. I've worked with people with pain for 40 years. Definitely. Like it's never, ever too late. Yeah. Definitely not. I have a, several clients in the elderly age range mm -hmm. in comparison to me, obviously. And in, in that way, it's, it's a real powerful expression because they have this disbelief of the life that they lived in carrying that pain. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, but you know, there's such a rejoicing that comes in because life can be so reinvented at any particular time. And there's a joy and an excitement and a 
celebration that comes in there. And it's like, yeah, you know, readiness is a huge key factor to it. And with all of my clients, it's like, I'm in love with them because I, and I, and I say that with so much heart and warmth, because when we arrive to wanting to do grief work or pain oriented work, it takes such courage to go there. It takes such a fed up nature to living this way and not wanting to do it anymore at whatever age and saying, I'm not going to let this control me anymore. I am taking the reins. And through that process, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of the brilliance and the beauty of these individuals of all walks of life, all ethnicities, international, national, across Mm -hmm. the country. It doesn't matter. There's this human spirit that rises and it's bright and it's brilliant. It's gorgeous. And it comes from grief work. It's so exquisite. Oh, that's so, so beautifully said. And um, I'm going to, I want to switch gears because I want to make sure I ask this question of like, you mentioned the term to me outside of this, of the term somatic grief. And I think we've covered on it a little bit, uh, but I wanted to like, I just haven't heard that term before. So I, do you mind elaborating on it or giving a definition to that? Absolutely. I think that some of us experience, um, emotions in varying ways. We don't all feel emotions in the same way. So sometimes it hits the mind and the way we think. Sometimes it hits the heart and how we feel and the depth of feelings that we have. And for some of us, it hits very powerfully through the body and it doesn't quite hit the mind or the emotions in the same way. And for those that the grief expresses itself through the body in a form of chronic pain, this is what we refer to as somatic grief. This is grief where the predominant expression of its pain or the pain of the loss hits the body more so than it hits the heart emotionally or the mind mentally. And that requires then, you know, like people like you as well, you know, to be able to help with some of the chronic pain components. Mm -hmm. For many people, they may not know that their chronic pain is actually a grief representation. And so then when we identify that, oh, maybe some of the stuff, like some of the work I'm doing physically is not actually working. To be honest, some of my pain hit all three, but my body took the brunt. And I had no idea when I started doing my own personal grief work is exactly when my body started to feel better. My digestion (laughs) shift, the tightness in my shoulders, this sort of like you know, intercostal stress, this Mm. anxiety that came with some of the shallow breathing, this tightness in my diaphragm, this back pain, mid back pain that was Mm. like piercing started to just calm. And I was like, what is happening for so many of my clients? They start to express a somatic relief when the release of the emotional work starts to come in with grief. And so sometimes we have to identify that maybe some of our chronic pain components might be a a somatic grief expression. Yes, yes. I definitely see grief come up very, very commonly. And often the way I see it come up, it's like we have to work through quite a few layers before it even is open because there's so much shame about having, like often it's from like childhood grief. So it's like, they don't know this yet, but it's like, there's shame about grief. And so there's all this like, protective mechanisms about holding the grief down that it's like almost like we work through these layers and all of a sudden it starts coming out and is able to get some expression um because yeah often i'm sure you see this a ton but grief just is not allowed often people like kids aren't allowed to have a grieving process i mean adults aren't allowed to have a grieving process 
grieving process often or are made wrong for how they're grieving or how it's being expressed. I love that you touched on these different kinds of it because I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And that's so helpful to be like, everyone's process is just going to look different, I'd imagine. It does. There's several factors that influence how we grieve in terms of like what our family had shared with us, what our cultural upbringings were. And that's vast, vastly different. But majority of it is that people are often taught they're not allowed to feel bad. So they're taught to cope through suppression of pain. And so a lot of the work I do with people is helping with some of the belief systems around grief and their childhood based on how they were parented or how they were raised and reclaiming some of that. So sometimes grief work turns into inner child-based work. And sometimes grief work turns into issues that are associated with mom and with dad um, or parents in general. And so in some ways we have to be conscious around what some of our belief systems are around that. That's like a big well to step into, but within the process of the strategy week to week, as we develop, it's included in there. That's the part of it. It's like a very holistic perspective. There's somatic release that comes in there because once the grief piece starts to get named and released, the physiology changes. If it's a mind body continuum, then the body feels it, mind is impacted by it. But if the mind and the heart are impacted by it, then the body feels it. So if we have a release point at one level, it's going to create release at the other level as well. And interestingly, grief can do both at the same time, which is really, really quite astonishing because it's coming with a whole bevy of feelings and emotions. And we work to tease out and work to strategically vibe into what are the main pieces with some of the exercises I mentioned with you before. It works. It's very effective. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I love that you touch on this, this like mind body. It can be either, or I I speak to this too, of like, some things are more top-down belief-based and they're going to present in the body, but some things are more body-based that create our beliefs just based on what we're feeling. Like it's, it's both. It's not a, I I think there's sometimes people who like argue between them. I'm like, it's just both guys. It's both. (laughs) We just have to figure out which one it is in that moment sometimes, but it's, it can be either. So I love that you speak to that. Do you find, um, one of the things that I find is like that people are holding grief for others, whether it's others in their life or ancestral or generational. And do you work with that grief differently or how do, I'm curious how you approach that or if you find that as well. It's actually quite similar. A lot of times and I work with people. So we talked about it with people who are uh, really type A, really high achievers. Mm-hmm. I also work with people who are highly sensitive, very empathic. And for those oriented, they tend to feel a lot more than their own. So then part of our work, especially in that initial phase about emotional resiliency is learning how they feel, what they feel and how they cope with those feelings, learning how to unlearn some of those old coping things that are not working for them and apply new resources for them. So for the people that are highly sensitive and feel that empathic nature, they feel more than their own. They often Mm -hmm. feel the grief of their family and become the conduit of the family's emotional expression. They might feel that a lot of their pain is not even their own in the family circle, but it is intergenerationally. And we know this by epigenetics, Mm -hmm. that there is sometimes a cast down process that comes in there. And so what we want to do for folks that are that way is help them really identify what's their own and what's not, and helping to give permission to feel what is their own and give permission to allow for others to do their own work and not be responsible for it. 
So this becomes the emotional coping phenomenon in that process of the phase one. When it comes to intergenerational pieces, it's huge. So then what we might do is work on, say, if it's a, if it's a, a woman that I'm working with, we might do work around mom and recognize that mom's pain was connected to her mom's pain because they were raised during the depression and they were feeling like they got to hoard everything and they're feeling scarcity complex. And that created a formation of thought for mom. And now with client that I'm working with, we can work that trajectory through the grief piece and say, this didn't work for me. This parenting style was not correct for me. I learned these things and now I'm working to let them go, release them, forgive you for it, and still hold compassion for mom for how it was, but without excusing, condoning, justifying, writing off. Mm -hmm. So this is the way we do generational oriented work. Oh my gosh, so beautiful. I love that you make that distinction because I think often for people who are empathic, are highly sensitive, this work can feel so overwhelming because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to feel even more. And I like identified as both, both being like highly sensitive and high achieving and numbing my pain. It was just a confusion. Yeah. <laughs> but when someone gave me that, it's, it was like the most life-changing thing when I was told like, what you're experiencing isn't yours. I was like, oh, like it, like my whole body was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. oh my God. Like it was the biggest shift. And I don't find everyone has that shift, but my family lineage on both sides, I mean, including my parents, cause they immigrated. I have Holocaust survivors in my family, like, yeah. ma- like massive, massive trauma on both sides of my family yeah. that there is a lot of that for me. So, so it actually, took off so much pressure and actually allowed me to let go of so much emotion that I was holding. Not that I had to like sit with it and be in this pain that I didn't even understand where it was coming from because it wasn't mine. And so I love that you, you, you work with this too, because I think I, I sometimes see people like bathing in pain that isn't it's just not theirs to process. And you can't, that's what I say all the time to people is like, you cannot process emotions that are not yours. Like we can feel them, but yeah, yeah. I'm curious your take on it. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next step for that process for that individual, especially around grief work is then, okay, this is not yours. This is not for you to feel responsible for, to burden the weight of this. And then it's like, ah, permission. Good. Thank you. Then the second piece is now what is yours Mm -hmm. and how do you, emotionally like 100 emotionally feel about it because those who tend to be highly sensitive or empathic feel a lot of guilt for what it is that they feel and don't allow themselves to be truly honest because they have a sense that by even saying it speaking it or feeling what they authentically feel it's wrong so then that next phase for them is like hey so tell me like how do you really feel about this? And they're like, well, and I'm like, nah, be honest. And they're like, it's like, yeah, good, good job. And they're like, there I am. And I'm like, there you are. Like, yes. Okay. Oh, that is so, I love that you emphasize that because I totally can already be like, yeah, there's probably times where I'm like, yeah, that's not mine. We'll just shove it away. Totally ancestral. And it's like, no, that's mine. (laughs) Because it was like such permission giving, but then I can totally, it's like in the past few months, I'm like, yeah, okay. Maybe I need to like, there's some things where I've maybe brushed off is not mine, but it is, (laughs) it's coming back. It'll, it'll tell me. Yep. It's a pendulum swing. You know, sometimes you go from one side to the other and you know, there's no perfecting in this process, right? This is like, 
coming into ways we're growing. And that's why there's so much humility in this work, which for me, I refer to as reclaiming our humanness. Hey, you know, I'm messy and I don't have all the answers and I don't know all the ways. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm growing and I'm learning. And sometimes I don't get it right, but you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to continue to shame storm myself in my development and my growth. I'm going to allow myself to be as I am and figure it out as I go and say, you know what? I'm not ready to do the work. I'm okay that I'm not, this is hard. And you know, it feels a little bit too raw for me. And you know what? I'll be ready when I am ready. And that's okay. Yes. I love that. I feel like that's such a great place to, I could talk to you for hours and ask more questions. I feel like that's such a great place to wrap up. It's just being like, it is, this is not a process to perfect. There's no protocol. There's no doing it right or wrong. It's just continuously moving towards our humanness. Yeah. And there's so much joy there. And Mm -hmm. that's where I found that sense of peace for me. It wasn't this, what does peace look like? No, it's like, there it is because I'm grounded and integrated within my being and I'm able to feel and connect. And through that, the creativity, the insight, the love, the safety I'm able to create for others and myself, that's that's the jewels. Yes. Ah, oh, beautiful. And if, if there's anything else, that was like such a beautiful thing to leave people with, but if there's anything like last things, you words of wisdom that you want to leave people with, or like, just let people know where they can find you and how to do this work with you if they're interested. Yeah. Thank you so much for this invitation. This is such mm-hmm. a rich conversation and I love somebody who can emotionally scuba dive like, <laughs> right there in it, you know, and just allow ourselves to really bathe in that. So for me, yeah, I do grief coaching. I love this work info at amaratmacoaching.com is the email at amaratmacoaching is the instagram i'm very active on social media with instagram sometimes on facebook um you can find me in those two locations amaratmacoaching.com is the website so happy to be able to connect um and you know whatever it is if i can answer questions for you or support you i'm developing a lot of ebooks and a youtube channel mm-hmm. as well to be able to help with just giving a lot of these resources out because it's just so important right now so stay tuned for a lot of that stuff Awesome. Yes. And for anyone who is interested in connecting, I will have all the social media links and email links in the show notes. So thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It was such a pleasure to have you on here. I absolutely love talking to you. And yes, absolutely. And we're going to stay connected. All right. All right, everyone else. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you find, you know, anybody who is struggling with grief, please share this episode. It was such a wealth of knowledge um, and share this information with loved ones. All right, everyone, I'll see you and talk to you in two weeks. Bye.